What do you mean? Duran Duran is great podcast music. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Adam and Ben, New and Selected. Just to let you know, we have been waiting half an hour to start recording while a very loud car alarm goes off outside Shane's house. Yeah. This alarm may start again at any minute, in which case the podcast will probably stop and, and pick up again a week later. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the most best thing. And you won't notice the gap. You won't notice the gap. Um, Could you hear my opening line at the beginning? I was doing a Dave Franco impression. Were you doing a Dave Franco? How does Dave Franco talk? I don't know. He enunciates a lot. He's like got. He's like someone who's got braces and he talks like this to make up for it. He always no over way, opens his mouth a little too wide to make up for having braces. Uh, I, I thought he kind of talks like this though sometimes or he doesn't open so. his mouth at all. We've got completely different impressions. I don't kinda, know. He just seems like a guy who's got yeah. braces and it's affecting him in a weird way. I don't know. I, I, he kind of does this weird half mouth open kind of thing sometimes. What uh, What's your favorite Dave Franco performance? So many to choose from. Am I right? Uh, Obviously 22 Jump Street. What does he do in that? And he's like a weird college kid drug dealer well, thing. He's, well he's never played a college kid drug dealer no, in not anything. At all. did you see the disaster artist no that's the room not because that's kind of his biggest role it's kind of his biggest role he's like the he's, he's not the, a, he's not a movie star. he's the lead of that yeah no he's not a movie star did you see six underground the michael bay movie with ryan reynolds I absolutely did oh not. he's good in that he plays six <laughs> the titular six yeah <laughs> is he um, underground Huh? Is he underground? He is. And then, of course, the best performance he's, I'd like, unironically, best performance he's ever given is in If Beale Street Could Talk, where he plays this, like, Jewish landlord who's, like, the only nice white person in the whole movie. And it's a really lovely performance. That is really fun. It's it's great casting. Like, you're like, oh, Dave Franco. Because they've been dealing with all these horrible racist yeah. assholes. And then they meet Dave Franco. You're like, another racist asshole. Am I right? And he's got a little yarmulke on his head. And yeah. he's really exaggerating this kind of 1960s Jewish thing. 70s maybe. And he is uh, he's lovely. He's one of the, the loveliest performances in the film. He played Montgomery Clift in a uh, in his brother's version of Zeroville. What the fuck? Um, he is the writer and director of a new film that came out last week. Somebody I used to know with Alison Brie, which I've already wiped from my memory entirely he's not in it not that there was much to wipe no and he's in that movie day shift with uh jamie fox the vampire thing that was out on netflix last year never heard of it yeah he makes a lot of movies that don't exist now you see me two now you see me one i watched him this week also in neighbors two sorority rising another teen doing drugs movie yes no he's done a few of those like and in greenberg he obviously plays a teen doing drugs he he can play younger what he must be 40 now he must be edging 40 he's 37 okay so in in greenberg he's 27 24 oh it's 13 years ago. um all right younger than us matt younger yeah. than me that's crazy uh hello everybody this is our episode speaking about the uh, noah baumbach movie greenberg starring dave franco starring dave franco or as the poster says ben stiller is greenberg he's got a lot on his mind mm-hmm. greenberg i greenberg is a rare film that I discovered from a standee in a cinema. <laughs> a, a, Interesting. A the, way mar- that the marketing the marketing pervaded you until the, you the, saw the poor it man's the poor man's marketing. Like, yeah. Um, cardboard stand. Cardboard stand is how I learned this film existed. And did it include a life size to scale 
cut out of Ben Stiller? It was the big poster with his head looking up at the oh, bottom. Like, ooh, ben I'm Stiller. looking up. Yes. He's got a lot on his mind. Ben Stiller is Greenberg. Are things looking up for Greenberg? Oh, not so much. Not at all. Uh, and my parents went to see Greenberg, and I went to see <clears throat> Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Yes. <laughs> While they went to see Greenberg. I didn't go to see Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, because I was scared. You were scared? I think so. Why were you scared? Because I was 10, and it was a 12s movie, and I thought, oh, I can't go to that. You were not 10 in 2010. You were 12. 11. 11. You were scared of Prince of Persia. I think I had trained on that night. I was like, no, I think that's I was, a very not scary film. Like. I think I was more afraid of like hanging out with people from school outside of school. Oh, well, that's terrifying. Yeah, you're terrible. Yeah, at when that. I when I got to that age, people started like going to the cinema. Yes, I hated that. And that I was hated a new that. Thing. It was very scary. Yes. I got invited, and I'd be like, "No, I have to yes. Perlin or something." I went like, to the cinema with James B from our class to see Yogi Bear. Oh, J. B- no, I'm not gonna. In 2011, yeah. and that was the first. Uh, that was the first time I went to the cinema with anyone from school without yeah. parents involved. Yeah. And then I didn't go again. Well, I went to see the the Avengers with him, Green Lantern with him. And I then, feel like that was a real pivotal point for me, that if I went to the cinema that one, once or twice, yeah. I'd be a different person. Yes. And then I waited, and then I didn't go to the cinema with people from school again for like three years. Yeah. And then me and Dobie went to a few things. And then you and me went to Mad Max. But I think, yeah, I started going to the cinema with Dobie a few months before that. We went to see The Imitation Game okay. randomly. Um, oh, and I guess Kean and I went to see a few things as well. Anyway, yeah. Going to the cinema with people as a kid and teenager is really weird. It feels way more intimate than it is. It's Yeah. Whereas now I'd go to the cinema with fucking anybody. Like, I, I would so. go to the cinema now. I go to the cinema now with, like, my coworkers and my boss and shit. And it's just like, oh, we're just wandering in. Like, I don't know. Yeah, the cinema has, like, has it lost its kind of sense of... I think significance. It's not. I, know, like, I guess when you're younger, it's like a big event. Well, you have to get to it. You have to get to it. Whereas yeah. if you live in the city center like we do, and you just walk into a cinema, like yeah, it's, it's very it's different. Around the corner. It's around the corner. Whereas when you live in Galway, it's like doing your weekly shop. Yeah, when you live in Galway, it's this whole like my parents have to drive me to this place, and I have to go yeah. for food, or I'm going to be hungry, and yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, there's just like it's like a whole day out. It's like going to a birthday party. Yeah, every every time. I don't have that experience with anything anymore. I feel like going for a drink is not that serious. Going to the cinema is not that serious. Like the only thing you put that much thought into is going on a holiday. Yeah, holidays have kind of holidays, holidays are kind of the yeah, closest the thing of like planning. We like, yeah, going on a holiday with someone is like okay, we trust each other. I've got a I've got a gala to go to next week. You do have a gala to a go gala to. Gala to go to next week, so that's kind of gala is okay. It's not my favorite corner shop chain in Ireland, but like they no. do have a good deli sometimes, and the newspapers <laughs> are cheap. All right, I suppose. That was a good joke. Um, yes. I'm trying to riff on it, but it's Greenberg. Kinda, it's, it's good enough. Oh, how I wish I had not gone to see Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, and had gone to see Greenberg. How all the things I would have learned about how men and women should behave very towards much understood at the time. age of 12. I uh, think this film is so interesting in the context of Noah Baumbach's personal life, which I'm going to dive into in great detail. So Noah Baumbach, we've already co- covered on our While We're Young episode. He's obviously a very important director. Uh, I think he's really, really... I think he's a great director. I love his films. I think he's he's like super underrated. Weirdly, even though he's been multi Oscar nominated, I'm like he's really underrated. Like people don't talk about. Oh, I didn't realize Baumbach. he got that kind of Oscar buzz. Marriage Story was a huge Oscar thing. Oh, yeah, I forgot that that's why he was given the money to make White Noise. Yes, but he's like a very, in my opinion, one of the like six or seven most important American directors working today. And I feel like no one ever puts him in that category with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson, David Fincher. Yeah. For me, he's absolutely on that level. Like, people kind of throw him in with, like, 
maybe with like Spike Jones and people like that. But for me, he's like top tier. Uh, his movies are like all good, and they all, um, they all have so many ideas in them. So his 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 parents were kind of similar to my parents. They were sort of um, experimental film people, and I think there's a lot of his parents in While We're Young, obviously, where Ben Stiller has this conflicted relationship with his father-in-law, who is a uh, experimental filmmaker and then in the squid and the whale which is a really good film is all about his parents divorce so it's jeff daniels and laura linney as the parents and the dad is like this really pretentious um you know intellectual guy and whatever and, and jesse eisenberg plays plays the the sort of the surrogate um so he's done every stage of his of his life as a film basically at this stage so uh Anyway, Greenberg is conceived when he is married to Jennifer Jason Lee, who's mm-hmm. in the movie. They get married in 2005, um, and they have a son together, Romare, named after Eric Romare, I would assume, the French director. Um, and Jennifer Jason Lee is credited as the co-writer on Greenberg, as well as the producer. I did not know this. The film is current story by wife. Jennifer Jason Lee and Noah Baumbach. Greenberg was released in the United States on the 19th of March, mm-hmm. 2010. And in November 2010, Jennifer Jason Lee files for divorce from Noah Baumbach, uh, citing irreconcilable differences. And early in 2011, Noah Baumbach begins a romantic collaboration with actress Greta, Greta Gerwig, Gerwig, who is also... In this film, <laughs> and the man hmm. in this film has is a guy who used to go out with Jennifer Jason Lee and is now going out with Greta Gerwig. And uh-huh. Noah Baumbach then goes on to make the film *Marriage Story*, which is about him and Jennifer Jason Lee's relationship breaking down. Yeah. A, a dramatic writer and an actress, and their custody battle over their son, which is very much played out in real life between Noah Baumbach and Jennifer Jason Lee, who had a massive custody battle over their son. And this is the inspiration for Marriage Story. The only tactful thing the man has ever done, the only discretion he has ever employed, is that he didn't cast Greta Gerwig as the wife in Marriage Story. Yeah. And he pays for his divorce with the money that he earns from writing Madagascar, Europe's Most Wanted, a gig that Ben Stiller sets him up with at DreamWorks, a film we will cover soon. So, and and now he has a son with uh, Greta Gerwig called Harold. So now he's got two kids, Divor- one with each of the women in this film, and he sees the, the, <laughs> the, the Lee child occasionally, I imagine, and I'd like to know uh, what Romer and Harold's relationship is like, but anyway. Divorce truly is the number one driving force behind Hollywood. Isn't it? It is. But is his career not so interesting when you're like, he made fucking three movies in a row with Jennifer Jason Lee, makes a movie about a guy who moves pivots from Jennifer Jason Lee to Gerwig, yeah. and then he makes like he makes like six movies with Greta Gerwig. Francis Ha, uh, Mrs. America, uh, okay, White Noise, and Barbie. All right, okay, like those are the only ones. But anyway. And him and Gerwig have written Barbie together, which is the first one they've written together in, in a couple of years. So anyway, it's that's the context of these people's private lives, which is, is probably the most. Is there anyone else that does this? Uh, ah, uh, yeah, like uh, Woody Allen kind of does it, like yeah, not quite the same. This way. is very literal. It's very literal. It's weird that the women co-write the films with him. 
Yeah. That's weird because it's like he's doing it's not like he's this guy who's like, haha, I'm gonna be a weirdo and marry different women and write films about it. It's like I am going to collaborate with the women I am sleeping with to create a project together about the broader picture of my life. That's like It sounds unhealthy. It sounds so unhealthy. Sounds Why would very... you drag these women into your weird vanity projects? I say this as someone who has just said, I think all his films are good and I really like them. Yes. But I, they're good because of this. Because it's he's fucked up. He's a fucking freak. Oh, I tell you who else does this. Judd Apatow does this with funny people. Okay, fair. Where he's like, what if I get my college roommate to play a guy who uh, gets back with my wife and his father to my children? Yeah. And then he, he casts his own wife and kids in Knocked Up and This Is 40. That is the other person who does this. Yeah, I was thinking these films have a lot. But those ones are healthier too. because he's been with her the entire time. Yeah. Like, imagine if Judd Apatow left Leslie Mann, right? Mm-hmm. And w- imagine if he and, and he starts going out with Catherine Heigl. Sure. And then he makes a movie where Catherine Heigl plays the mother to his kids. And that would be more weird because he casts his own children. So that's somewhere where uh, Baumbach is drawing the line on casting his own kids. But, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Poor Jennifer Jason Lee. First, her father gets decapitated by a helicopter. And secondly, this happens. Oh, I don't mean to make light of that situation, but I didn't realize that was it a is very sad. Interesting. Her father is Vic Morrow. Yes. She, her name is Jennifer Morrow. Jason Lee is just her naming herself after Jason Jennifer. What am I talking about? What are you talking about? Um, never mind. <laughs> she Jason likes Lee. Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't know. Yeah, no, I was thinking she was naming herself after Janet Lee, but never mind. Janet Lee's name isn't Jason Lee. Jason Lee is is dave dave seville and earl it's a weird name to choose as your like stage it's weird when there's an actor called jason lee and you choose your name to be jennifer jason lee it's like francis ford coppola like yeah but that sounds cool yeah i know it's like if i called myself lucian baumbach wadaily i I don't know i don't know lucian larry daly because i love nice museum so much yes exactly okay so this film Does he get lucky that his life turned out the way it is? Is it like a weird Baumbach or self- Baumbach. Does he get is lucky? His life, is his life a weird self-fulfilling prophecy yeah, that kind of. kind of just lets him keep making more movies because yes. his movies cause more drama? Yes, perhaps. Yes. That every film ends, fucks up his relationships more <laughs> In a and certain more. certain way that he material can, yeah. to make more movies. Yes. He'll never escape. But it's, inter- well, it's interesting because when he tries to escape, he makes something like White Noise, which has nothing to do with his life. It's just, I mean, it's about a marriage and yeah. Greta Gerwig's in it, but it's based on a novel. So he doesn't create that story. Okay, okay, cool. And everyone hates it. It's his least successful film. So <laughs> he's never going to do that again. I know recent events might make it uh, I think he's gonna go a back. hit in the future when Perhaps. people look back on it after 5,000 people die in Ohio. Right. I, I think he's never going to make a genre film again because that didn't do well at all. And no one is pretending they like it except me who genuinely liked it. Like, there's no, like, oh, yeah, I know. It's really good. There's just no, there's just no, no I've there's heard no not vibes, a peep about No it. buzz. So he will not make any more genre films. I think he's going to go back to making stuff about himself with Adam Driver, Ben Stiller, or Jesse Eisenberg playing some variation of himself. I like his surrogate choices more than i like woody allen's like woody allen obviously has used jesse eisenberg as well but he's also like owen wilson a couple times jason biggs like uh, woody allen went through a couple of different guys trying to find his like who will i cast as the me character in this movie yeah whereas apatow was just like it's paul rudd um and Baumbach has like obviously decided it's like stiller driver um and the odd time it's it's a woman 
Um, I would like to see Eisenberg, Stiller, and Driver in a film together. It would be great. I would love to see Eisenberg and Driver in a film together. They would be really fun bouncing off each other. Um, And if anyone's going to make that happen, I assume it's going to be going to be our boy uh nb but anyway uh that's the bound back situation with this film we haven't mentioned ben stiller much at all this is worth us covering on the podcast in my opinion because it is the moment that ben stiller as a dramatic actor becomes a legitimate concept i would argue if you look at his run of films there isn't really an example of ben stiller in the 2000s uh playing playing a dramatic role there isn't because he was just making bank off the too comics. big of a star yeah so between the royal tenenbaums and this he basically never does a film where he's not a goofy character or you know playing opposite goofy characters is this where he first like looks old possibly i mean yeah he doesn't really look i mean you look at what he's done before just before the the two years before this is tropic thunder and oh, yeah. museum two yes and then immediately after this, he does Little Fockers, which he looks a little worse for wear in. But he does look probably quite bad in this compared to that. Um, and then Tower Heist is the year after where I would say he's he's aged up yeah. a decade from the sort of uh, from the, the Meet the Fockers and First Night at the Museum. Yeah, he's a guy who has kids that are starting to go to college. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's kind of in that zone. But I would argue this film... Uh, is a little bit his version of rain over me in the best possible sense in that he is a yeah enigma, I, I thought of that comparison depressive already. enigma who someone has to try and fix the difference between the two films is that this film has a sense of humor and it's not as completely miserably downbeat i feel like this has like and elements of punch drunk love as well it does it does Kind of, it's just nowhere near as nuanced. Like I feel like this. No, film it's it's significantly lower everything. stakes than. Yeah, but this film just hands you everything. Like there's no there's nothing to read into with him. There's like okay, they don't tell us in detail. I think that yeah, I think this is a problem I have a lot a lot with Ben Seller is yeah. that there often isn't a lot to read into. With. No, he's a bit dead behind the eyes as it's a weird. as an actor. It's like Adam Sandler is almost you could argue like more going on behind the eyes than there actually is externally yeah like he his weaknesses are in his external performance um and in his like over reliance on shouting and yelling or whatever whereas i think stiller is like a pretty good actor in terms of external communication but yes when you're like does this guy holding anything back from us no no i think we've i think we've learned everything yeah and when you're trying to build a character a film about a character like mr greenberg you need there to be more than what we're being told because the film isn't from his point of view. But they say there is, and then they never get into it. They never get into it. So I, I think this film is like a minor failure in the sense of I don't feel like this character stands out among Ben Stiller's career, and I don't feel like it stands out at all in terms of the character that Baumbach has made films about. I think that it's it's like the most generic idea of how do we get Ben Stiller to play a role where he's not making jokes? And this is what you come up with, uh, which is the normal Ben Stiller type of guy, except he's single, he's childless, he's lonely, and he's a bit weird. And he's socially inept. And it's like Ben Stiller is often socially inept in films. Like in The Watch, he's like 
a weird guy who's infertile and is awkward and doesn't have any Likes friends. Likes rules and stuff. Yeah, and, like, has no friends. But, like, that's a almost a better character than Greenberg in the sense of, like, the film gives him an arc. Sure, but they also, like, kind of point out in this film that he enjoy he's perfectly content doing nothing. And that's, like, an interesting characteristic in itself. I which guess. I guess on screen it's kind of not. That just, there's... That's just being depressed. Yeah. Watching someone be depressed in a film isn't super interesting unless you're going to give them something to work or they're like away very from funny. Yeah. There's nothing for him to work towards here. Like the the moral of the film is like, ah, a beautiful young woman can make your life better if you are nice to her. And it's like, yeah. You you think I, so, I guess right? so. Um he, it, It's hard to tell if he even likes her. Yeah, it's hard to, until the end when it's like, don't worry guys, he likes her and the film really has to spell it out for us because it has not been obvious the whole but time. But also like 2 minutes before the end of the film he was about to go to Australia or something. Yeah. It's uh, I think I think the relationship starts in a weird point where it yes. feels like it shouldn't. It feels like mm-hmm. there's a scene missing when they it does, yes. first get together. So He's... the setup of the film is that Greta Gerwig is playing uh, a girl called Florence, who is the personal assistant to the Greenberg family in Hollywood Hills. And Philip Greenberg, the dad, is my beloved Chris Messina, an actor I have an enormous amount of affection for. His re- his uh, his his hair in 2009... Sorry... The hair he had in the 2020 film Birds of Prey was the direct inspiration for the recent bleaching of our friend Brendan's hair. Really? Um, he based that off Chris Messina's look. Uh, I'm a big Chris Messina fan. He is great in the newsroom um, as a character whose name I'm going to try and remember. Reese Slancing. I got it. Yeah. Um, he's good in, in Julian Julia. He's good in lots of stuff. And he's only in this for like 10 minutes, but he's good in it. And he and his wife are going away, and they are like, please look after our dog? Cat? Dog. Dog. And our house. Big German shepherd called Mahler. Yes. My brother's coming to stay. He's a bit strange. He might ring you. And then the brother comes and stays and rings her, and it's Ben Stiller. So we don't meet Ben Stiller until like 10, 15 minutes into the movie, which is a first for Ben Stiller movies, like on this podcast. Honestly, like that's not normal. He's usually in the first scene. Yeah. So it's like, aha, interesting. Ben Stiller is kind of the guy on the other end of this story, and we're seeing it through her eyes. The film kind of loses that a little bit through, I feel like, and it kind of shifts over to his focus. But also, we haven't been shown much insight into his thinking, so it's weird. Um, Yeah, like the view we get of him throughout the film is what everyone in the film sees of him as well. Yeah, and it would almost make more sense to just never be alone with him. But anyway. Reese Evans plays his friend Ivan. I do not like Reese Evans as an actor, and I don't think he's very good in this film. I find him uninteresting. Is he watch. one of these guys that were like, oh, he's an English guy now. We'll put him in an American movie. Uh, I don't know anything about him. A little bit in the sense of his big breakout is Notting Hill, where he plays the goofy oh, housemate. Oh, he does, yes. Uh, so you could argue that. God, his first film is, ni- is a- 96. I would have thought he was around long before that. He makes like 20 movies between 99 and 2000. Oh, for fuck's sake, we talked about him. He's the villain in Little Nicky. We did, oh we, Jesus! We Christ. did the Reeseifans conversation. Oh no, I forgot about that. I uh, yeah, nothing. He about. is in such high demand when this is made. This is between '09 and 2012. Yeah, The Informers, The Boat That Rocked, Mister Nobody, which he's the lead in. No, sorry, he's not. He's the lead in Mister Nice, where he plays Howard Marks, Greenberg, Nanny McPhee in The Big Bang, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows, Exit Through the Gift Shop, Anonymous, Five Year Engagement, and he plays Lizard in The Amazing Spider Man. He is so in demand. It's like Richard Curtis, uh, biopic of a famous cultural character, Baumbach, P- 
Potter. Uh, he's the lead, the lead of a fucking Roland Emmerich, and then he's a Spider-Man villain, and then he has a big role in the five-year engagement. Why do people want to work with him so bad? It's so weird. What's his TV looking like back then? Uh, nothing. What's he looking at now? Oh, he's in House of the Dragon now. Oh, is he? He's one of the main guys in that. Fair. He played Rasputin in The King's Man. And he was in Spider-Man No Way Home. Voice. Live action appearance via archive footage. I'd love to know how much he got paid for that. Steady career he's got. He does have a steady career. I've never met someone in my entire life who said that their favorite actor was Reese Ephens. If they did, I would be suspicious of them. They need to add a letterbox like homepage animation where you can put in your favorite actors as well as they favorite do, films. Yeah. It would be great. Uh, and then we could see how many people have received as a favorite actor. Yeah, because you can see how many people have favorited yes. a certain number of films. Yes, which is always a good trick to how find many people have with zero favorites as their favorite actor. Yeah, but sometimes you know, sometimes I'll shake up my favorite films and I'll just make it four films I like. Like yeah. at the moment, it's four films right now. It's me and you and everyone we know, a serious man, a series of unfortunate events, and cabaret. Why? Because all the posters are the same color. Yeah, they're also four of my sixty favorite films. But whatever. I'd love to do that with actors. And every now and then just be like, what if I made Mark Duplass one of my four yeah. favorite actors? But you have to be able to pick And then the you photos. go in and see everyone else who thinks Mark Duplass is. And they'd all really be my cool. friends. Yeah. Uh, Mark Duplass is in this film briefly. Mark Duplass um, in ultimate looking like my friend Joe Moran mode. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Joe. Uh, Mark Duplass is in a few scenes in this. He's being, the guy on the couch that's kind of just like. Yeah, he's being Mark Duplass. Yeah. He's like, I am reasonable. I am a nice man. Um, also in this movie, Jennifer Jason Lee, as we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Merritt Weaver is in this movie. Merritt Weaver and Brie Larson in the same film. Because when I was younger, I used to think that they were the same person. Mm. Uh, even though they are completely different ages and shapes. Ah, they're not. Like, they look kind of similar. Like, I don't know. Anyway, never knew they worked together, but they did. Merritt Weaver, great in... Uh, is she the friend? She is the woman at the reading, at the concert, who chats to him. Yes, yes. The Gina. Yes. She had a big moment there a few years ago where she suddenly won an Emmy and then she was in really high demand and she was in um, Welcome to Marwin. Anyway, uh, Brie Larson and Juno Temple play these two girls who are heading off to Australia. Both obviously big stars now. Yeah. Oscar winner Brie Larson, the only person in this cast who has an Oscar. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Ah. I'm correct in saying that. Yeah, Greta Gerwig doesn't have an Oscar. She doesn't have, like, screenplay. No, it's crazy. Um, And then Dave Franco. So that's the cast of the film. Mm -hmm. Greta Gerwig, someone we've never talked about in this podcast. Obviously, uh, one of the most acclaimed directors of the the last five years. Kind of weirdly based on where she was when this film came out. Um, She... Has she made a film at the stage? She had made... Nights and Weekends in 2008, yes, which she co-directed with Joe Swanberg, who is sort of a post-Mumblecore director in his own right. I haven't watched that film. I've been meaning to watch it for years. It doesn't look very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was in a bunch of stuff as an actress when this came out. So I had seen her already in the Arthur remake. No, I hadn't. That was a year later. Okay, so I hadn't seen her in anything. But she's in um, she's in uh, The Dish and the Spoon the same year as this, which is not a very good film, which she's in with Ali Alexander from Years and Years, the band. Huh. Uh, and then the year after this, she plays Natalie Portman's best friend in No Strings Attached. She's in this movie, Damsels in Distress, a Whit Stillman film, which is one of the worst films I have ever seen. And is a film where you watch it and you're like, oh, Greta Gerwig was close to being 
the most annoying person in the film world, and she escaped narrowly. She's in the Arthur remake with Russell Brand, which is a fun <laughs> crossover. Uh, I like her in that. And then she's in uh, a Woody Allen movie, and then she's in Francis Ha, and then we're off to the races. So I hate to say it, but her collaborations with Noah Baumbach were really the thing that made her an interesting artist. Because um, it's Francis Ha, it's Mistress America, and uh, and then 2017, she makes a film called uh, Lady Bird, and another one called Little Women, and they are both uh masterpieces and now she's directing barbie and she wrote the script for the new disney snow white with rachel zegler which i did not know until just now really weird okay so that's yeah she's falling into the ip trap she's really falling into the ip trap i mean you could argue that little women is also the ip trap i guess yeah but it's good so i'll allow it i'm very annoyed that she's making barbie i think it looks really stupid and i don't know what she could possibly do that would make me change my mind about that how much of that is the fact that it's Mario Robbie? Uh, my problems with it. I just think Barbie's a gross brand. Yeah, I don't think okay. anyone should want anything to do with Barbie. And I think the film looks annoying. Like, everything about it seems annoying. Uh, but anyway, no one cares what I think. Everyone else is excited for Barbie. Uh, and then I mean, it's, it'll be... Noah Baumbach has co-written things. the script. So it's going to be something. It's going to be something. I think okay. best case scenario is the Lego movie. Sure. And worst case scenario, probably the Lego movie too. <laughs> I don't know. It'll fall somewhere between the two of those. Barbie makes Lego movie look like Lego movie too. Barbie makes Lego movie look like Lego movie too. Exactly. Uh, I have nothing else to say about Greta Gerwig. Do you have any thoughts? Sorry, I have been talking this entire time. Uh, I am not as well informed of Greta Gerwig as you are. I am more the Greenberg expert because I watched this film on time when you did not. Exactly. You know more about the plot of the film. But also all these films that the two of them make are all like very personal, low stakes, and no adding Barbie yes. into it might be interesting. Yeah, but it's that's got a what weird white, stylized what, world, I that's guess. That's what White Noise was. Oh, was that's what I want them to do. I want them to adapt great American novels, yeah. not toys okay. for children. Barbie is a great American novel in a sense. It's the great American toy body dysmorphia generator. Like Yeah, there's like Barbie and McDonald's. And yeah, and fucking NASCAR. Yeah, Green, sure. That's... Green Day and the Boss Baby. Yeah. That's America. That is America. South, South Park. Bumbuck is I was trying to test America's out an illegal documentary. I was trying to download. <laughs> I was in my friend's house the other day and I was trying to test out an illegal streaming website on their TV to make sure it worked. And what did I put on to test it out? An episode of the South Boss Park. Baby. Oh, South Park. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. It's probably like the easiest thing to stream, is it, in terms of like. In terms of, of, of you, data you need to download If you go to, onto the illegal streaming website, it is the first thing that pops up that yeah. you can just pop it on. That's what the kids look up. Yeah. Um All right. what other scenes in this film did you have did you have an interesting comment to think about? I like the bit where the brother rings him on the phone and calls him a fucking idiot. Yeah. I think that was pretty, pretty good. good. He is a fucking idiot. Yeah, but I think that was like, oh, we're actually getting like a little glimpse into your history here yes. with someone. I just didn't like the character. No, but he's not meant to be likable. I, I know, guess. but it's hard to watch a film about someone who's really awful. I guess. And he gets everything. He gets to end up with the lovely woman. So it's like, oh, he didn't learn his lesson, did he? Well, like, he is ill, as they point is. out. So I don't know. I guess so. I like that they describe him as being a little bit weird, and then he shows up, and he's actually kind of normal. I guess he's more Cause I was, than, Yeah, because, yeah, like, they do that in Rain Over Me, I think, and then he shows up and he's just a freak. Yes, he's like, oh, my God. Like, I, I'm, I'm glad he didn't show up and doing Simple Jack. Like. Yes. Oh, it's good he doesn't do it was, Jack. It was a... Yeah. It's, a, it's a restrained performance, but I would argue 
Too restrained. Too restrained. Uh, he needs a scene where he like breaks a load of stuff or something. Yeah, I maybe. Know, but then he probably get uh, out and be like Oscar bait. Oscar bait. Um, the film uh, was nominated for the Golden Bear at the Berlin International Film Festival. Greta was nominated for Breakthrough Actress at the Gotham Awards, and it was nominated for Best Feature, Best Male Lead, Best Female Lead, and Best Cinematography at the Independent Spirit Awards. What else was nominated for Best Feature at the Independent Spirit Awards in 2010? I am interested. It was up against Black Swan, which won. 127 Hours, the Danny Boyle movie, The Kids Are All Right, and Winter's Bone. Mm-hmm. Every one of those films, I think, was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars except for Greenberg. Okay. That's really funny. Interesting. That's hilarious. Yeah, the, God, the Spirits really had a run there where it was like the next year was The Artist, The Descendants, The Year After, Silver Linings Playbook. Like they really just went through all the Oscar movies. 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight. That's insane. They had five years in a row where it was the Best Picture winner. Yeah. The same. Spotlight, Moonlight, and then they give Get Out Best Picture. Okay. Beale Street bizarre winner and their farewell and nomadland lost daughter and this year women talking tar everything bones when are the golden globes up this is the independent spirit awards sorry the independent spirit awards they are on the day before the oscars usually oh okay yeah that close so anyway they're on a big tent on the beach the night before the oscars very nice uh so the box office for the film are we doing our segments oh yeah sorry we'll do i have literally so little to say about this this film i know you i was i'm about to point out that you have said nothing about this film yet. it's weird isn't it i i had no thoughts watching did it. you learn anything from this film about how you're going to carry yourself in future relationships did i um i didn't like when he tried to get back with jennifer jason lee mm-hmm. it felt just impulsive and impulsive like... and unfair on her to put her in that spot uh in terms of the greta gerwig stuff I don't know. Like, he's an asshole, but he's not, like... He doesn't, like, treat her poorly in, like, a man-woman way. But it's a weird thing where, at the beginning, she thinks she's taking advantage of him because he's out of a mental hospital. Yes. But he thinks she's, he's taking advantage of her because she's, she's young and younger. just out of a relationship. Yeah. I don't think it's a very healthy relationship. No, not at all. It's quite I think it's bad. Fun. And I think Usually, yeah. they'd be better off if they didn't hang out. Yes. I think it's not necessarily the age thing. No, of it's course not. It's just that he's kind of... An ass. Yeah, I don't know what woman he should be with in this film. Well, he says himself he should be with a 38-year-old divorcee with teenage kids. I think he's right, yes. I think so, too. I think the level of energy she's operating at is... Like, she kind of operates as his carer. Yes, it's unfair to drag her down to his level. Even though she's not up to a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's no charm to their relationship at all where you're like, I I like that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, they're... He like visits her in the hospital when she gets an abortion. That's like, I guess so. That's like the only nice thing. Yeah. yeah. And he goes to the, anyway. He goes to a party and he does coke with her. And we don't truly know what his problems are. No, we don't. Which is not super effective when you're telling a story. No. The class corner. So class he's like, corner. He's like a screenwriter. No, he's a musician. Oh, he's a he's musician. a former musician turned carpenter. Oh, I thought he was a film guy. Okay. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he was in a band with the Recivers and Mark Duplass when he was younger. And he turned down a record deal because he didn't like the terms of the agreement. Okay. And they ended up not getting another one, and the band broke up. His references they didn't to make music in this film are so generic, it's so annoying. 
Oh, that was a song that the Kinks put out in Australia. Great song okay, by the Kinks. You literally like you're literally talking about annoying. Like I'm surprised he doesn't wear a fucking Rory Gallagher T-shirt. Yeah, like, he's such a Rory Gallagher dad. Every Irish 54 year old man is like this guy. He has a distaste for corn. Yes, I after are we watching doing, are we Woodstock tangent. I've talked about it enough. On the yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm not gonna say the same things again. No, okay. I I watched a lot of Woodstock '99 documentaries last week, guys, and I've told Shane all about them already. You should go check them out. And our our own version of Woodstock '99 coming to Dublin this Saturday, so (laughs) can't can't get out. The Lakela March for Ireland for All March. I don't think that's like Woodstock '99. Has to be Christy Moore is going to be up there. there. Hey, throw things. (laughs) Break stuff. Steal steal the fences. Christy Moore covers break stuff by Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit. Yeah. Um, Uh, The Alex to Alex scale a segment i deeply regret coming up with yeah because like there's a lot there's a surprising lack of diversity in these characters sometimes Uh, this guy is super low energy i'm putting him way down the end but he's like i'm mentally ill tired low energy he's he's kind of bored i guess he never gets angry no putting him down the low end of the scale this man has no passion for anything i think that's a problem yeah i'm putting him down with alex the lion way down like it he has the passion for making shitty references to British 70s music. I guess so, but if the, even if there was like an arc where he like started making music again, it might have been something. I know. It, it would, it would. Yes, that would be... Imagine the John Carney version of this, where he starts writing songs on his guitar with her. How good would that be? Yeah. I want the John Carney Yeah, because she sings. She sings in this. Right? Oh my God. Imagine if John Carney had made this. It would be so much if better. If he went up on stage and sang a little karaoke oh, song to oh impress God. her or something. Singing, if there was, if there was a bad Ben Stiller oh singing scene. Oh my God. I would be in tears. He could sing some Duran Duran. It's so easy to make movies good. All you need is a karaoke scene. It's such an incredible tool to just have someone singing kind it's of mediocrely the, in the background. Oh my God. Like it just makes you like connect with someone so much. Yeah. The Leftovers. Leftovers. Aftersun. Lost in Translation. What did we see recently? Did I watch them recently? No, oh, but my Poundback's own movie, Marriage Story, which ends with Adam Driver yes, yes, singing yes. Uh, Being Alive from he, Company. He learned. He learned from Green Book. It's brilliant. And it's or brilliant. Greenberg, it's a brilliant ending. Book. And you learn more about that character in those four minutes than you do the rest of the movie. It's yeah. fantastic. He learned. He learned. White Noise uh, ends with a big dance scene. It doesn't. Okay. He is learning. He's getting better. He's becoming a better director. Like, I think that Marriage Story is his best This film. is kind of like Mr. Cormony. It is Mr. Cormony, yes. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is sorting, sort of putting himself into this space of performance, I feel like. Yeah. He is in the new John Carney movie. I feel like he's got a bit more expression to him, though, than Stiller does in this. Uh, he does have more expression to him. I don't think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, at his worst, can do this degree of... <laughs> non-expressive like mr corman he's the some episodes where he's like really zoned out and he's like freaking out about covid and even yeah. so there's more expression expression than there is in greenberg is joseph gordon levitt a better actor than ben stiller maybe he might have a bit more range i think he might have a bit more range he started younger yeah and he was doing horror and he was doing sitcoms and he was doing all sorts of stuff has he, he ever was... worked with any of these <clears throat> prestige directors uh, well, he's in the new john carney movie okay he worked with christopher nolan I not count Christopher Nolan. They're not. They're not character movies. Uh, he worked with. Uh, he no, because he got into this stupid trap where he did. He played fucking real people for five years, and he did Snowden, and he did the fucking tightrope. Who who made Fifty Fifty? Uh Jonathan Levine. Uh, no, nobody. No one. Uh, like, has he ever been in an Apatower? He's uh, in the. No, he's in the the Ryan Johnson movies. Okay. He's in Mysterious Skin, the Greg Araki movies, probably the closest. He's great in Ten Things I Hate About You, 
but that's just a straight comedy. Uh, I feel like there's a jump there. Don John, he's, he's a man who can make a jump into Don something. Don John and Mr. Corman are his own weird dalliances, and then he's in uh, Trial of Chicago Seven, Pinocchio, and he now he's in the John Carney movie. So I think the John Carney movie is the closest thing he's done. It might get him going a bit. I'm really because Carmen got cancelled after one season. It certainly did. I'm really interested to see it because he, because Carney used Mark Ruffalo so well yeah. to begin again that I think he has a good grasp on these guys' midlife crisis-y performances from these actors and how to make them break out with some yeah. musical stuff. So I think it could be really nice. That film is set in Dublin. He shot it here. I'll be interested to see. Why are we talking about him? He's not in Greenberg. No. Right. But he's a man who could have been. <laughs> he could I don't have been. know. Yeah. And he, he hangs out now. with Dave Franco in the interview. This is true. Maybe. Greenberg know, cost $25 million. million dollars and it made 7.4. I On think what? that Ben Stiller was probably paid 10 to $15 million. Greenberg. Yeah, I guess he's at the peak of his Ben Stiller. Salary. <laughs> We're not going to find anything on Google. Yeah. Uh, but I'm guessing 10 to 15 million range. This is just before he makes um, uh, Tower Heist, which I imagine we, we saw before he got paid a lot for Tower Heist. So, um, One more forgotten segment. Could Adam Sandler have played this character? Um, yes, he could have. And the film would be better. Yeah. Next. Ben, Stiller, ben Stiller was the second highest paid actor in 2010. <laughs> Guess who number one was? You have 10 2010. Yeah, you have 10 seconds. 10, DiCaprio? Nine, no, 8, 7. I've met more than one six, film in that year. 5, yes, 4, 3, Ten. 2, 1. Ding, 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 ding. Johnny Depp. Okay, fair. Johnny Depp is in Alice and The Tourist. Two films. Number two is Ben Stiller. And number three is Tom Hanks. And number four is Adam Sandler. And number five is Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Oh, with wow. Shutter Island and Inception. You know DiCaprio made fifty million from Inception. How do you uh, stock at the box? How do you share the box office? He must have. I know he got twenty five or something up front for it, but that's insane. Yeah. Inception didn't even make that much money. Like fifty. Did it crack a bit? Uh, what did no, it make? Five hundred. Seven, maybe seven hundred. Okay. He made like nine percent of the money that film made went to DiCaprio. Yeah. I think maybe that's fair enough. Because, like, I don't think Inception would have been as big a hit without him. Yeah, as we've discussed before, he he's, he's a, a fucking, huge star. He's a box office draw. And I think his exact vibe was the right combination of my parents want to see that movie yeah. and a 13-year-old wants to see that movie. Yes. You make it with Will Smith, my parents won't go. You make it with... Anyone uh, more action Hugh Jackman, no. Like, you, like, it's DiCaprio or nobody. Like, maybe, maybe Brad Pitt, maybe. I don't, yeah, he operates in that Brad Pitt weird. Is in the same space, but like, he still operates as if people know him today still as that like Titanic guy. But he's also a prestige, Oscar-winning middle-aged yes. actor. It's weird. I think the tide is turning on him in the sense that people are getting fed up of his antics with younger women and whatnot. Sure, and maybe the public dislike of him is increasing as he doesn't seem like a super chill guy. But he's never done anything terrible that we know of by the standards of his yeah, peers. He does climate change stuff. He's like a nicer person on paper than Will Smith or Tom Cruise. And that's a, that gets you a lot of leeway, I think, to fuck around. Uh, but like, and the quality of his films is around, like, mostly quite strong. I mean, the Tarantino films, I don't love that much. I certainly think fucking J. Edgar is a huge mistake. But, like, 
Yeah. Out of the six films he makes every decade, like at least three are worth revisiting. Yes, and they're like, will be remembered 10 years later. Absolutely. He doesn't make movies that don't exist. No, and he gets featured every single day on those like weird... Except men. maybe Don't Look Up, I feel like that might be Maybe Don't Look soon. Up, yes, I already forgot he was in it. Yeah. But like his those sort of like men's quotes, inspiration pages, he's one of the main actors that they love. It's like DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Killian uh, Killian Murphy. Those think, are their guys. I think like, they're good faces to put on these things because yes. people don't have a sense of what they're like in real life. Yes, no one knows what they he's don't like have, in private. No, he's not in a weird cult. He's he doesn't assault people on television. He's not an alcoholic. He's never like he probably doesn't do huge anyone. media cycles. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. No. He doesn't talk about himself very much. He's very secretive. Like he's declining as a personality, probably just as in general as it, the movie star is. Yeah, but not rapidly. Weirdly, Tom Cruise is increasing as a personality again. Yeah. But he's on such a weird curve that no one else is on because he is crazy. Yes. And I think because he's he, crazy. You can't use him as the model to You replicate. can't use him as a model because he's so crazy that he is doing things like having a public breakdown in 2005. Yeah. But then he's also being crazy of, I'm going to fucking blackmail Paramount to do what I want in yeah. the late 2010s. And then basically, oh, now I have the biggest movie of the year. And also they gave me a free submarine to use for Mission Impossible. So he's like, he's behaving in such a weird erratic way that his choices are either huge swings or huge misses. But it means that he's operating on an entirely different curve. Will Smith was kind of operating on a normal curve. Thank you, Brad Bird. And then he hits someone on TV and it's like, okay, well, Will Smith, you can fuck off for a little while. But they're making I Am Legend 2 with him and Michael B. Jordan. That's going to be a big hit. So I think. Have they worked together? uh, They have not, no. He, Michael B. Jordan is kind of the younger He's Will Smith. not funny. No. I don't think Michael B. Jordan is the younger Will Smith because he is not anything like Will Smith. He is much more like Denzel. But Denzel's own son is very like Denzel, which yeah. is the problem. But I way prefer Michael I know, B. Jordan. I don't have any image of Denzel being young and things. Whereas Will Michael B. Jordan, Smith so. has just a, always been a cocky comedian type. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan cannot do that i know i guess i recognize michael jordan from friday night lights a lot and he was just kind maybe. of cocky kid yeah i think like in creed and black panther he's very serious those are very serious he doesn't there's no jokes to him at all no but michael b jordan is a legitimate star yes absolutely. they've gotten three creed movies out of him it's really impressive like those, and they make money they make loads of money and he's directed the third one and apparently it's great yeah i may go to see it good for him um okay Box, box office office time okay uh i'm gonna give you a guess at where this opened number 20 no i saw something on the page it looked like number 20 is it worse yeah 26 no 36 29 29 that's very normal okay to be fair it opened in like one cinema. it opened in three cinemas yeah 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 okay. and met 118,000. that's good for three cinemas that's what i'm looking at here yeah, yeah everyone who every one of those screenings was sold out I'd imagine so. But that's why, what happens when you release a them? big movie with a bit. That's how it works. That's how a staggered release works. It says it made 40,000 per theater. Yeah, that's that's like how a staggered release works. You start off with three cinemas, and then you go up to 20, and then you go up to 100, and then you go up to 400, and then you go up to 4,000. 40,000 per theater per cinema. Yeah. In so a that's, weekend. That's in a weekend. So that means if they showed it four times a day, 10,000 a day, 200 people in the cinema... Pain. You added a yeah. Yeah, I did it wrong. Do the numbers yourself. We're I don't want to. We're, we're being listened we to. Care. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about the other films. Okay, number one. Yeah. From our highest grossing star of the year. 
uh, or highest paid star of the year. Highest paid star. This film is Alice in Wonderland. It is indeed. It is really, really bad. Really, really, really bad. Really ugly. Really ugly. This film made 34 million in its third week. Alice in Wonderland is like one of the 12 or 13 highest grossing movies of all time. It's in a 265, according to this. Well, it... Uh, in its third week, ends I Ends up so. with a billion and a half or something. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this a Tim Burton thing? It is a Tim Burton. Have you never seen it? No. Uh, I have bits of it. Looks like a toilet. Looks like a... a someone did a paint job. That film... Yes, it's very grand. The film very ended up with uh, 1.25 billion. Yeah. It is fucking hideous to watch uh great cast um and hathaway matt lucas <laughs> matt lucas <laughs> michael sheen alan rickman oh, i like matt lucas. stephen fry timothy's ball michael goff christopher lee i also like matt lucas uh it is it is really bad right next up is a film that actually made an impact on the culture and is a good movie and shutter island both like no Oh, we both like it. Yeah, I think I think you like it. Okay, genre. I think for what it, for what it was, mm. it was. Is it a comedy? Yes, and I like it. Um, comedy more towards the younger demographic. It is so it's a Diary of Wimpy Kids. It is. That is a good film. It is. Second one's better, but it's a good film. Anthony Sanna or Lenore Moretz is in it, in a character that's not in the book. Yes, which was very weird. Strange. Like like older snarky girl character who's like was not... that was that to get the female audience i, I think so and also she was really popping in that time but it's really weird because there's like no girl characters in the books other than like the girl he has a crush on in the second and one that's not her though she's not in the no. first one she's only in the second one mm-hmm. and like chloe moretz is like three years older than the kids two years older maybe yeah. she shows up she's like real snarky cynical girl character makes absolutely no sense no i remember being quite jarring at the it's time because you're like if you know year... the books you're like what are they doing here yeah there's no need they just needed a girl there's no other girls in that film apart from the mom yeah and steve zan and steve zan. boy the animated oh and devin ba- bostic uh, who's going out with her favorite the the diary of wimpy kid animated movies they're doing once a year on disney plus are surprisingly really good oh there's a bit of something to do they're just based on they're, the most recent book they are no they're doing the books in sequence they've only done the first two Oh, okay. So, so far, they've only done books that were also done Oh, so done they're, as doing, them, they're like, doing them quite literally from the book. Quite books. literally. They oh, are, okay. it, it adapts every scene from the book. They are, they look like the book. They are, the characters are 3D animated, but they yeah. are stylized to look like yes, the Yes, yes, I've the seen the style. And they are very, very funny. They are really, really, really quite good. Those books are all right. Like, yeah. I was oh, the books are hilarious. Yeah. But, like, the animated films are surprisingly good. Anyway. Next up, we got one of our classic action sexy rom-coms of the 2010s. Uh, the 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 the, yeah, the, the right is it Gerard Butler? Yeah, it's called the it's Butler and Aniston. Yep, and it's called the something something the Bounty Hunter. That is the one. Never seen that. We got some Peter Green, some Jeff Garland, some Jason Sudeikis in this. I would, I would watch that. Someone called Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Yes, she's the mother from Holes. Ah. If you'd know her to see. Ah, fair enough. I would watch that if that was on TV. I probably have seen it and. I don't I don't like Gerard Butler though like I, I don't I don't find him entertaining in films I know it's it's, it's uncool to have that opinion because he's like a cult figure now but like is he yeah people love Gerard Butler like people were so excited for playing okay people on like Twitter were like oh yeah Gerard Butler he's the man like I didn't get that sentiment at all he's like a trash icon now oh so it is actually him trash and icon. him and Statham kind he's of not like, he's not being like 
No, people think rebranded because he's done some like quite good stuff. Oh no, people just think that his like shitty movies are really good. (laughs) Okay, I don't think they are. I think they're bad, and I think he's a bad actor. I don't like him. Yeah, well, he is because and he seems like someone who would call you a slur if you met him on a dark alleyway. And he's Scottish. He is Scottish. I'll give him that. He is Scottish. (laughs) (laughs) Not many Scottish leading men anymore. No. Okay. James McAvoy, Ewan McGregor, and him. That's it. Here we go. Next one is, I don't know if you'll have heard of this. Okay. It's by Miguel Sapochnik. <laughs> That's a name you just made up. For <laughs> me, when, me when I'm speaking in tongues in my sleep. <laughs> Miguel Sapochnik. <laughs> it's like when you're trying to type in any gift and it just Yes, Spoonboom Schmickschmack. For a price. Spoonboom. Any organ in your body can be replaced. Extraordinary measures. But it can, be all, it can also be repossessed. I don't know. It's a horror, I assume. This stars Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. Repo Man. Repo Man. Repo Man, a remake of a Stallone movie. Ah. Yep. Any thoughts? No. That is a film I don't want to watch. You haven't logged it here. I want to get one here where you have a... I don't want to see Repo Man. It looks boring. It has that shitty 2010 sci-fi filter where everything's just a little bit too blue. Yeah. Like that movie Surrogates with Bruce Willis. Yes. They all look like that. Or Total Recall remake with uh, Colin Farrell. They all look the same. I'm looking for these movies where you were review yes. and I get to you get to guess them based on I haven't on seen any review. of the ones. So far. You haven't seen this one either. Alice uh, Wonderland I had no review, I guess. This comes from the Greenberg universe. Oh yeah. Which also features so we got Greenberg, mm-hmm. Green Book, and we got this. Uh, this is the uh, Green uh, Green Zone Green with Zone. Uh, Matt Damon. Matty D. Uh, an Iraq War movie from the people who brought you the Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, mm-hmm. The worst thing you could possibly conceive oh, of. Green Grass. Sounds so... Oh, Green Grass! Green Zone! Green Grass! Green, oh, green Grass! Funny. Green Grass! It's green like zone. Mike White naming White Lotus after himself. Am I the first person to sing Green Green Grass in, a, in relation to Paul Green Grass? I think so. I think that's a TikTok there to be made. <laughs> Uh, the poster has no green on it, which I'm yes, kind of upset. Yes, it's just Matt Damon. It's black and white with gold. There lettering. is a green poster. I've seen a green poster. <laughs> that movie was so weird because they really treated it like a newborn when it came out. It was on the cover of Empire. It's very boring. Shit. He just walks around. I've seen so boring. Brendan Gleeson is in this. Yes, but no, they did treat it like it was. It, they treated like it was the newborn when it came out. I remember it was all over the, all over the cover of Empire. If Colin Farrell was in it, I'd probably watch it. That's my opinion. Brendan Gleeson's also a military guy in Edge of Tomorrow. Does he just for... have a weird back catalogue of being I army generals? That. He's a bit too big to play an army guy, in my opinion. Yeah. Greg Kinnear is in this? He's a big boy, like. Greg Kinnear is in this He's well, the second lead. It's Matt Damon. Who is the lady? Is that? Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan. I won't be watching it. Okay. All right. Let's carry on. Amy Ryan from Birdman. Amy Ryan from Only Murders in the Building. Okay. Next up, we've got a... Rom-com of sorts. Okay. This is just after Valentine's Day. This is in, like, March. Is this an Apto-Jason thing? Are we recording this? Two days after Valentine's Day. What a coincidence. No. Uh, actually, it kind of is. Okay, here. We've got a review for this. Oh, we have a review for this. Okay, we this was a, a two-star film. I like this review, so... Uh, oh, you uh, This is good. This is some Gawler references. Okay. Go for Ugh. it. This is such shit, but I watched it till the end. <laughs> Good. Having a weird blank phase at the moment. That's the actor's name. Yes. The gang of airport friends are pretty funny, but but his family are just not. I remember a big poster for this in the <laughs> iCinema Galway in 2010. Never did I expect to sit down and watch it during a pandemic quarantine. 
life. Am I right? So, firstly, major coincidence, because I was saying earlier in the episode that I remembered a big poster for you Greenberg did, yes, in the ice cinema. The airport friends are funny. I have seen this. The airport friends are funny, but his family are not. What? Like, airport it's friends. It's a poorly written review. How does one have airport friends? I think it ends with a scene in the airport. It ends with a scene in the airport. I like this review, so we've discussed it. Before. And it was a guy I was having a phase. Yeah. During we, COVID. Not a guy you'd ever, like, return to. And not a guy that I imagine <laughs> has left much of an impact. <laughs> Why would I have a phase for a guy that I wouldn't return to? This is a weird guy to have a phase for. Um... Is this his only lead role? Who knows? <laughs> I did have some weird phases during COVID. It's not Ben Mendelsohn. No. I'm trying to think of who else I had a phase Watched for. Watched on March 30th, 2020. Mar- that doesn't help. Uh, man, who was I having a phase for in 2020? Um, his airport friends are funny. He has... What's the tagline? Uh, when she's this hot... You get one. She's out of my league, Jay Baruchel. Jay Baruchel. His airport friends are funny. He works in the airport. Oh, does he? He works in the airport. He's like a security guy at the airport. Is is TJ Miller one of his airport friends? Yes, TJ Miller and some other uh, guys. Nate Torrance. Yes, Nate Torrance. That weird guy. Guy from Studio 60. This is a good cast. Nate Torrance. I'm mixing him up with uh, Jason Schwartz. No. No, you're mixing him up with the. Big man. Sandler guy. Yeah, Nick Swarzen. Nick Swarzen, yeah. sorry. He's a similar type. Less annoying. Yeah. Uh, he, we were talking about Alice Eve recently, weren't we? Why were we talking about Alice Eve? Not with me. I don't think you were. Oh, I was talking to somebody about her. She was in something I watched like a week ago. Star Trek, Men in Black, Bombshell? No, no, no. She She's in the Night of the Museum. No, she was in something I watched like literally in the last 10 Sex days. City 2. No. Black give, Mirror. Give me a sec. Before we go. No, I literally watched her in something like in the last, in the last like week or two. Um, let me see. Decoy Bride. Oh, I watched Starter for Ten with James McAvoy, and she was in that. Okay. All right, never mind. Yeah, I've seen. Oh, and she's in that movie Crossing Over with Harrison Ford. Yeah, I've seen her in a few things recently. All right. Uh, next up. Yeah. We spoke about. Uh, okay. Let's. This will be one you have a review for it, I imagine. Okay. So I'm gonna look it up. You'll probably get it pretty easy. It's I re- a- I remember she's out of my league being okay. Yeah, you I, give it two stars. Yeah, it's like fine. I do, uh, yeah, it's probably better than two stars. Jay Bar, I did have a Jay Baruchel phase. I watched the the old Joe Judd Apatow show um, on. I can't remember what it's called. The show he was in back in the early two thousands, and I thought he's very charming. I was like, oh, I like Jay Baruchel. We actually have no rating and no review for you on this really? film, but we do have a rating and review from friend of the show. Well, I don't know if he's friend of the show, okay. Owen Dolby. Oh, you have a review from Owen. Owen Dobie's only reviewed like 10 films ever. Yeah, this is one of them. Okay. I'd hate to have seen this in the cinema. <laughs> You're punched in the stomach and you will need to pause it. What? Is right. it some like mopey shite with like a sentimental screen? No. Is it sports related? No. I don't know. You but... mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Ugh. You watched this. Not Prince of Persia. That came out in May. You watched this in March 2020 as well. No, he watched it in March He watched it in March 2020. I have no idea. You're going to give me a clue. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's in it. Mark Ruffalo's in it? Yeah. Not as a lead, but as a... It's not. The kids are all right. Nope. But Mark Ruffalo's in it. Um, Start naming other people in it. I don't know. you got to give me something else here. We've got some uh, Michelle Williams. 
Do you do? Yeah. And Mark Ruffalo. Really? Yeah. And Emily Mortimer. No, got nothing. This is Shutter Island. I haven't seen Shutter Island. Have you not? This is like my thing, is I've never seen Shutter Island. Oh, it's too spooky. Oh, yeah, yeah it just, no. just, just looks kind of boring, and I know the twist. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know Emily Mortimer was in it. Well, now I'm sold. Oh, yeah, uh, I will watch it soon. I'll watch it in the next two weeks. I feel like people are always watching Shutter Island. And I'm always like, it's. I don't need to be one of those people. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry can sit down and watch Shutter Island. You watch things that other people don't watch. Exactly. I watch things nobody watches, like the color wheel. Right, we're at an hour. Enough of this. Okay, one more. Greenberg doesn't deserve no, an one hour. More. One, one more. One more. One more. And I'm just going to read the first two words okay. of this uh, review. <laughs> okay. Absolutely guffawed. <laughs> I start a lot of reviews with that. I feel like I yeah, say okay. I say guffawed a lot. You're gonna have to read the rest. Absolutely guffawed. It's a longish review. Mm, just give me the first sentence or two. I can't. Ex- Spoiler. Absolutely guffawed when this character says this one word, so he could identify this very obvious blue alien man in the photo. <laughs> oh right, of course. <laughs> this is uh, this is it's tar. The tar. It's the, it's tar, it's the, the tar. tar itself. The tar himself. Very good. Yes, it's when Quaritch goes. Enhance. Enhance. And the photo of and Navi becomes 5% clearer. And he's like, oh my god. They've, they've got the technology in it's the amazing. future. All right. This was in its 14th week and still at number eight. Incredible. Making 4 million. God bless. Well, it is the um, biggest movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Really. Oh. Just for the record, we're 16th of February 2023, guys. Avatar The Way of Water did so fucking well. Well done. Well done. After COVID, well done. Every second day now we get a new post saying Titanic has overtaken Avatar with The Way of Water and then The Way and of Water overtakes it And then they back and forth. It was actually really fun to re-release Titanic like eight weeks later and yeah. be like, let's see what happens here. It's funny because it's the same director. I will always root for Avatar over Titanic though. I think Titanic is mad overrated. Uh, I'm not I'm not as big of a Titanic head as an Avatar head. It's weird. No, Every man Titanic. I know saw The Way of Water. I know at most one woman who saw it. Okay. Isn't that odd? Anyway. I wonder what the demographics were like. Like, all my male friends went to see it, and I literally know one. Like but one. I thought nobody went to see Avatar The yeah. Way of Water. No. Of, people don't talk about seeing it online, but, like, they're it's going. Not a, it's not a weird, like, meme film yeah, to talk about. Yeah, there's to say about it. There's no twist. No. There's no jokes. It's very sincere, just like... It's just good, and you're like, oh, I had a really good time. Yeah. That was really good, and now I want to save whales. I'd like to know if, like, Greenpeace got more donations or something because of it. James Cameron probably has more money than Greenpeace. Uh, God, he probably does. He, could, say, he could save the whale singing Halloween with all the Avatar box office money. To be fair, he does a good bit. Does he? I think so. He seems like an alright guy. He does a lot more. I like him a lot more than Spielberg. Fair enough. I think he deserves the status that Spielberg has. Yeah. I don't think he's the best director alive by any means. Like, I mean, are any of his films five stars to you? No, nope, of course not. His best film? Avatar The Way of Water. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Terminator 2 is, is like, really good, but, like, nah. Yeah. He's, not, he's not that great. But, like, he does, yeah. The, the reputation of, like, the, the, the great American blockbuster director does not belong to Spielberg. It does not belong to James Cameron. I don't necessarily know who, who it does belong to but does there, there doesn't have to be one there doesn't have to be one i'm almost more interested in the idea of it being michael bay but anyway that's an argument for another day 
That's our, That's our next upcoming yeah. podcast after we finish this. I've been thinking all week. I've been brainstorming ideas for podcasts that could start after this ends. Yeah. I had an idea for one called I am this is not I'm this is not IP I'm familiar with. Where someone has to like explain to me a thing I like haven't engaged with at all. Like not movie specific. Not movie specific. Like a sport. Yeah, okay. Pokemon. A video game. A book series. Yeah. I don't know if that's a fun concept. It might not. You need a guest for every episode as well. Well, you could have the same people doing multiple things, but yes. Okay. Yes. I want something where it can be you 70% of the time if needs be. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, that doesn't happen a lot here at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm more of a producer type. Exactly. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next episode with... Some Sandman. You know, Mr. Deeds, maybe... What do we have left? Data Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Mr. D's Pixels. Pixels. Happy Gilmore. Are we waiting for someone for that? Happy Gilmore. Do we have a guest lined up for that one? We have a guest for Gems and for Happy Gilmore. Fantastic. Doing all those. Dipped up. We're almost done with the Ben Stillers. I think it's genuinely just the Fockers is Madagascar 3 and Meyerowitz. (sighs) Have a great week, guys. Adam and Ben Pod on socials. Thank you. Goodbye.